Open up your Bibles this morning to the book of Daniel and that passage we just read, the final chapter in Daniel. Lord willing, we will finish this today and begin our new series next week on 1 Corinthians. Let's ask God's help as we look at His Word. Father, we ask now for Your blessings to come. Enlighten our eyes as we look at this text, very confusing text. Lord, as the book of Daniel has been, and help us to have illumination from Your Holy Spirit to help us make sense of it and to understand what You are trying to tell us. Do Your work in all of our hearts, whether those of us who know Christ or those who do not, and accomplish your will in us today. Be glorified by the preaching of your word. Amen. Last week, we saw the end of Daniel chapter 11. We saw that Daniel was told that someone worse than that king of the north that he was told about was coming at the end. Today, we commonly refer to that individual or the entity as the Antichrist. We saw in other passages last week that the Scripture talks about the Antichrist, his reign, his doom, and his final destruction at the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus will destroy him by the breath of his mouth. So today, as we go to chapter 12, we covered the first three verses quickly at the end of last week, but we want to begin there and do it more justice as we see what Daniel is told. So after saying that the Antichrist king that is coming at the end will lose, chapter 12 then shifts its focus to the people of God. We saw last week that the enemies of God all face their doom. The subtitle of this series in Daniel has been The Everlasting Kingdom. And we have seen that, haven't we? We have seen that kingdoms have come and that kingdoms have gone. But there's one kingdom that lasts forever. And this is the whole point of the book of Daniel. It's about kingdoms and the kingdom of our God. But what becomes of the people of God? What becomes? Because Daniel has just been told a lot of things that they were to expect and they weren't Good from a human perspective. Look at verse 1 of Daniel chapter 12. Remember, Daniel is in the midst of a vision that he is receiving from the angel, most likely Gabriel. And as he is there, he is by a river in this vision, and this time shall arise Michael, he's being told, the great prince who has charge of your people. That's Michael the archangel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. So what awaits the people of God, Daniel is told? Trouble. Daniel, there is trouble coming. Lots of trouble. And chapter 11 has just told us of 400 years of war that's coming with Israel being caught in the middle. And that happened um, already in our history. Excuse me. But not, of course, for Daniel. That was all future. Daniel, there's trouble coming. And we see this trouble, number one, in the immediate context of this chapter, 
which the time of trouble was during the reign of Antiochus IV, an evil Greek king and ruler, and what he did to desecrate the temple of God and kill many Jewish people. But also Jesus speaks of a time of trouble as well. In Matthew 24, Jesus refers to Daniel chapter 11 and 12, and he makes references to the events that happen in the first century, specifically 66 to 70 AD, when the Jewish people finally revolted against Rome and the Romans squashed them, destroying the temple and has never been rebuilt since then. And the Roman Caesar Titus enters the temple, sacrifices a pig on the altar, as we've said, and not a stone is left unturned. Jesus refers to the book of Daniel as abomination of desolation in the time of trouble at the end to refer to what happened in AD 70. And then, of course, others believe that it refers to a troubling time still to come at the end of time that some call the Great Tribulation. Well, which one is it? Is it the time of trouble? Was the angel just referring to what happened in 167 BC with Antiochus? Or was it in 70 AD with the Romans? Or is it still in the distant future? Which one is it? A, B, or C? And I'm going to say yes. (laughs) I'm going to say it is A and B and C. As we've said many times, these apocalyptic prophecies have more than one fulfillment. We've seen that again and again and again, especially in the book of Daniel. For example, there's just not one Antichrist. The Apostle John tells us that many Antichrists have come, and we've seen them even in the book of Daniel. There's just not one beast. There's multiple beasts, world empires. And therefore, we could say there's just not one time of tribulation for the people of God, But there are multiple times of tribulation or an ongoing period of tribulation. Just ask our brothers and sisters who today on the Lord's Day had church in secret because their church is not registered with the Chinese government. And in order to have a church in China, you've got to be officially licensed by the government to have church and hold church. There's many faithful brothers and sisters who know that Christ is king, not the Chinese government, and they will not bow the knee to them, and they meet in secret. And these pastors and Christians are jailed for going to church in an unlicensed environment. Talk to our brothers and sisters who are Muslim countries who are being beheaded and jailed and burned. There's great times of tribulation everywhere, and it's been like that since the time of the apostles as well for the church. But here Daniel says, a great time of trouble that has never been since there was a nation till that time. This is a hyperbolic statement to create emphasis, not necessarily to be taken literal. And I could take you to about 10 different passages of Scripture where the Bible says nothing ever like this has happened before, and then it says it again and again, Um, or ever since. What it's trying to say that there's going to be an increasing levels of tribulation that happened throughout history. Yet what Antiochus did to you was bad. But it's not going to be as bad as what the Romans are going to do to you. And it's not going to be as bad as what happens at the end happens to you. 
There's a great time of trouble coming like never has been before. And we see this multiple fulfillment of tribulation happen throughout history. But let's not get lost in the weeds because that's easy to do and stuff like that. What is the point? What is the point of Daniel chapter 12? Is it to make charts and timelines and fit everything into our own neatly scheduled? No, it's not. There's a greater point here that God wants us to know instead of getting lost of charts and timelines and when things happen in order that they happen. The evil king, Antichrist, will come to an end. That's how Daniel chapter 11 says it. And there will be nobody to help him. But that's not the end for the people of God. Why? Because their God saves them. And this is what it says here at the end of verse 1. There will be a great time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Again, we see this message again and again. It is the people of God who belong to the everlasting kingdom that survive. Maybe that generation didn't, desire, didn't survive. They perished. But the legacy and the, and the lineage and the promises of God's kingdom endure. Kings come and go. Nations come and go. But the kingdom of our God lasts forever. Your people shall be delivered. This evil antichrist king will not. He will come to an end and nobody will help him. But who? Who will be delivered? Look what it says. The time of your people shall be delivered. But then it's more specifically. Who is delivered, Daniel? Not everybody. But who? Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. What book is he talking about? Well, it's the book which is the oldest book ever to be written. It predates the Bible itself. And it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. It is the book that the Apostle John speaks of in the book of Revelation. It's the book in which the sovereign God wrote before time began. And in this book, he wrote down the names of all sinners that he has chosen by his grace. They were written in the book because he has predestined them to be saved and has chosen them to give them to the Lord Jesus to redeem and to be his bride. Who shall be rescued? Who shall be delivered at the end, Daniel? Everyone whom I have written in the book. This is just not Jewish people. This is Gentile people as well. For the New Testament makes it very clear. There is no Jew nor Greek. For we are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gentiles have been grafted in. And at the end of time, there's only one people of God. It's all those redeemed by Jesus Christ. And it's called the church. Jews, Gentiles, men, women, slave and free. Your people will be delivered. Everybody who's rescued. Everybody who's written down. And this is what we rejoice in today, friends. That if you are in Christ, God has written your name down. And you are secured. That doesn't mean you're not going to experience pain and tribulation in this life or persecution. But it means this. No matter what kind of evil is done to you. No matter what kind of heinous crimes are committed against you or us. 
Here is the promise. At the end, at the end of everything, there is rescue. Not from our troubles, but rescue that lasts eternally. For, the, for evil does not have the last word. The people of God will be rescued. Does this mean no troubles? No. Just ask the Jewish people if that's true. Look at how many years of persecution and oppression they have faced over the centuries. God doesn't promise us salvation from our troubles. We wish that were true, right? Like, I'm a Christian now. Now I don't have anything to worry about because nothing bad will happen to me. Well, that is probably only true for five seconds. The truth and the promise is this. We do not lose. We would lose if the kingdom of our God would cease to exist. Just like Babylon and Greece and Persia and Rome. But we go on and on forever. This is what John speaks of in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, speaking about heaven. John says, And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the book of life. The Lamb's book of life. John is referring to the same book that Daniel was told existed in Daniel chapter 12. We win. Why? Because we're written in the book. Look at verse 2. What happens at the end? How does this rescue look like? How does this great victory manifest itself? In verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel, this is not just good news for those who are living at the time but also for all those who have passed away, who are also written in the book, who belong to God. It's just not those who survived the great trouble that is coming, but it's for all those who have passed on, who have died, who've been persecuted, who belong to God, all believers. There is a great resurrection coming. There is a great resurrection coming that those who sleep in the dust of the earth, meaning they're dead, they're buried, Their bodies have decomposed. They're no longer the people they used to be. Their souls are with the Lord, but their bodies remain on earth. There's a great resurrection coming, and it happens at the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Some, but look, there's a difference. Some are raised to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There is grace and mercy given to those who are written in the book. But at the end, for the others, there is shame and judgment and the wrath of God. Not just for a short time, was it say, everlasting contempt. Like the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I believe this is what Paul's speaking of here, of that great resurrection day. What is it? 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. That's the second coming. With the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. There is resurrection. The grave is not the end. 
It's not the end. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Yes, at the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the dead in Christ rise first. Well, Dan, what if I've been cremated? Do you not think that the God who spoke the worlds into existence can put your dead body back together again? You better believe it. And we will be resurrected and have a body like the Lord Jesus, which makes Easter and the resurrection mean all the more because Jesus physically and bodily rose from the dead and we will be just like him. Heaven is not this disembodied spiritual nothingness where we're sitting on clouds and playing harps all day. If that's heaven, I don't know if I want to go. We are going to be in glorified bodies, flesh. Our flesh will be here. Job says, I know that in my flesh, I will rise and see God after he's dead. And Jesus also speaks about this resurrection of life and unto death. In John chapter 5, Jesus says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. When does that happen? The second coming. This happens like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, like Daniel hears in Daniel chapter 12. An hour is coming when all who are dead will hear the voice of God and they come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You see, there's a resurrection for everybody, right? There's a resurrection of life. For those who believe who are in God. And there's a resurrection of damnation, of judgment, of condemnation, of eternal hell for those who reject him. Those who remain dead in their sins. Here's the point. Daniel, what you just heard in chapter 11, 400 years of war, it's bad times are coming. And guess what? There's more bad times after that that are coming as well. But here's the point, Daniel. The end of the enemy is near. But the end of the enemy means this. The salvation and the rescue of your people. All those who are in God. This is good news. Look at verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Seal the book. Here, Daniel just heard this glorious message from God, this great glorious vision of 400 years of future war and antichrist and the end of the resurrection of all believers. And God says, hey, by the way, close it. Don't let anybody read it. Say, what? I, I thought we were supposed to tell everybody the word of the Lord. Well, God said, seal it up. This means, essentially, to preserve it. Does it mean exactly what you think it means? It means to preserve it so that it is unaltered. So that nobody can say, oh, they added to it. For now, the prophecy, seal it away. Preserve it until the time of the end. Why? For the people living at the time of the end will read these words and say, the word of the Lord has proven true. Just like we see in chapter 11 today. 
we see the words of the Lord prove true. 400 years of recorded history were once biblical prophecy, and they came to fruition to a T. But he says, seal the words till the end. The end of what? Because it's 2023, right? And we're, I mean, the end hasn't happened yet because we're all still here. Daniel, seal it up to the end. The end of what? See, that's a great question. What does this refer to? The end of time? Well, then if that were the case, then we wouldn't have the book of Daniel. But we have it, and we're reading it, and I'm preaching it. Jesus referred to the book of Daniel in the first century. So we know in the first century, Jesus had the book of Daniel. So it wasn't sealed until then. It was existed many years before Jesus as well. The end can be seen in this, the end of these tribulations. Again, when we think of this multiple fulfillment of prophecy, we could see that the end is also multiple layers of the end. There's the end of Antiochus' reign, when he ended worship and desecrated the temple. I'm sure it felt like the end of the world to the Jews then. I'm sure it felt like the end of the world in Jerusalem in the year AD 70 when the Romans destroyed the temple and again desecrated it. And it will sure feel like the end when the people of God are hard-pressed and pushed to the brink at the end of history by Antichrist. There's the different levels of the end. Why? Because when you get to the end of each of these phases and the end of each of these fulfilled prophecies, you will know that the people of God who are reading the book of God will know our God has said what's going to happen. It happened. And we know we win. We know we win. I think the end refers to each of these tribulations that are multiple in layers of fulfillment. And when they go through these tribulations, they'll go to the end and say, our God has promised victory, and it's happened. It's happened. Look at verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank and the stream, and one on the bank of that stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Daniel's asking the question that you're probably asking as well, right? Right? When we talk about biblical prophecy, okay, when is Jesus coming back? Don't you wish you all knew, right? Don't you wish we all knew? And there's lots of people who have tried to put a date on it, and guess what? If you ever hear someone put a date on it, no, it's not going to be that day. Right? It's just guaranteed. Because Jesus says, no man knows the hour, right? Of when it'll happen. So all these date setters, phooey. Forget them. Ignore them. Right? They're going against what God has said not happened. But here in us is this longing. Think about Daniel and his position. 70 years in Babylon. He's an, he's an aged man now in his 80s. And he is saying... There's all that more to come? Lord, how much longer? Hey, it's Father's Day. Dads, you're on a long trip with your kids. And the kids say, are we? That's what Daniel's feeling right now. Are we almost there? Are we there yet? How much longer will the end be? How much longer? Little did he know, we're here 2,000 years later, Daniel, and we're still talking about it. 
And we see fulfilled prophecy still over time. And you know, we all desire to know the future, don't we? But here's the real truth. You really don't want to know the future. You really don't. Because if you really did know everything that was going to happen in the exact time frame and who, what's going to happen in the world and all that, you'd go crazy. You'd go crazy being worried about what's coming instead of just living in the moment, trusting God today. We don't know all the details of all this stuff. And Daniel wasn't even told in detail everything. How long, O Lord? It's very interesting that in the book of Revelation, by the way, somebody said last week, I think it was, I forget who said it, but at the end of my sermon, I, when we, before Daniel started, I said, what, 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 what book do you want me to preach through next? And a lot of you said Revelation. And then I preached Daniel. And then someone said to me, you know, you're pretty sneaky. We asked for revelation, but there's a lot of revelation in Daniel. I said, I know. I know. Anyway, Revelation chapter 6, we see a similar cry from certain people asking the same question Daniel's asking. Revelation 6, 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. And for the witness they had borne, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long? Same question Daniel's asking. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they will each give, be given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the fellow number of their servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. These are the those who had been, I believe, martyred throughout church history. Martyred throughout church history. Those who have been burned at the stake, beheaded, killed, crucified. Oh, like someone has once said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So many of our brothers have died for Christ. Recant of your faith or die. And they choose death. And here we see their longing up in heaven. How long, O Lord? How long until there's justice? How long until we win? How long? Well, Daniel gets an answer about how long. But it's not really all that helpful, to be honest with you. It's not probably what he's looking for. Because it only leads to more questions. And if God's ever going to ask and give you an answer, I guarantee you, you're always going to be left with more questions at the end. I'm convinced of that. We will never be satisfied with any answer we get. Look at verse 7. So Daniel's having this vision. He sees these angels talking to him. Verse 7, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever. And this is what he says. How much longer? It would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that, when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. So the answer then is, how much longer, like, what does he say? A time, times, half a time. What in the world is that? Well, think with me for a second. A time, that's one. Times, that's two. And half a time. 
So that's one plus two plus a half equals what? Three and a half. Oh, you guys are so smart. Thank you. Three and a half. How is three and a half significant? How is that an answer, Daniel? How much longer? Three and a half. Okay. Three and a half of what? Well, remember what number is very significant in the book of Daniel. It's the number seven. Three and a half is what? Half of seven. I know. A lot of hard math there. The prophecy of the 70 weeks, if you remember, Daniel chapter 9, we talked a lot about this, which is 70 weeks of seven or 70 groups of seven. The final week, the 70th week, I told you, begins with the arrival of the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And in Daniel chapter 9, it says, in the middle of that week, he shall make a covenant with the many, meaning the new covenant. He shall be cut off. He dies. So we know that half of Daniel's 70 weeks happened at the crucifixion, which means there's how many left? Three and a half of the 70 remaining. This is what he is referring to. Again, we look at the multiple fulfillment of prophecy analogy. That's very important in this chapter because you know what's so odd? Antiochus' oppression of Jerusalem, you know, when he took away worship, tried to change everything, do all that. You know how long he reigned approximately? Three and a half years. The Roman destruction of Jerusalem that happened in AD 70 began in 66 AD and ended in 70 AD. Guess how long that approximately happened? Three and a half years. That's not a coincidence. Here we talk in the context, we hear about this future destruction of the temple in both times, and both times, coincidentally, three and a half years? Hmm. How long does this last? Time, times, and half a time. Okay. Three and a half years. And also, the reign of the fiercest Roman Caesar that ever existed. His name is Nero. Nero is the one that began the persecution of the church. Under him, the apostles Peter and Paul were killed. Nero, look it up in history book. You know how long he reigned and persecuted the church? 42 months. How many years is 42 months? Three and a half. Again, you have... These three major levels of tribulation, and they're all three and a half years long. That is significant. It's not the first time we see in the book of Daniel that time, times, and half a time is mentioned. For in Daniel chapter 7, remember the vision of the Son of Man happens in Daniel chapter 7. Verse 25, we're speaking of the Antichrist here. He shall speak words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for what? Time, times, and half a time. There is again. So here we have this three and a half pattern in Antiochus. In uh, Titus in 70, in Nero, and now perhaps at the end of history as well, there will be an intense 
three and a half final years on earth where believers will be going through an intense time of persecution. Amazing. We see multiple fulfillments of prophecy throughout history. It's a prototype of future three and a half years to come. Look at verse 11 as well. We're skipping to verse 11, but don't worry. And from that time, here's three and a half mentioned in a little bit different ways. Number 11. And from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there should be 1,290 days. Now, I don't expect you to do math, but 1,290 days is approximately, I mean, can you figure it out how long that is? Three and a half years. So he's told times, times, and half a time. Then he tells them again, 1,290 days. Mm. It's interesting. Because in other places in Revelation, this is also mentioned. 1,260 days. Why the difference? I don't know. Why is there an extra 30 days in Daniel than Revelation? I don't know. God does. And look at verse 12. If you thought 1,290 days was confusing in three and a half years, look at this. Verse 12, blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Now, what are you talking about? It's hard to figure out time, time, and half a time in 1290. Now you're talking about 1335. What are you talking about here? Again, we can get so lost in the weeds here. What is the main point? The main point is this. Now, here's some really hard math again, okay? Did you know that 1,335 days is longer than 1,290? Can we all agree on that? Okay. Now look what he says. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. What I believe this is referring to is this. At the end of 1,290 days, they lose. And if you make it past 1290, then you're part of the allotment of the people of God who win. Who is that? Only those living? No, remember how it starts. All those who sleep in the dust of the earth, God brings into his eternal kingdom. The new heavens, the new earth. I think it's all it's saying here is, Daniel, hard times are coming. But if you can make it past the 1290... Good times will finally arrive. How does Daniel respond to this? And I love this so much. This gave me so much encouragement as I was studying this. Look at verse 8. Daniel says, I heard, but I did not understand. Does anyone else feel like Daniel? <laughs> I mean, I heard, but I, I Daniel's like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> then he says, oh my Lord. And again, he's asking, what shall be the outcome of these things? Like, not only how long, okay, okay, how long, Lord? But now he's like, okay, again, tell me again, how's it all going to end? <laughs> tell me again, I mean, this bad times are coming, but can you tell me again, how does it all finish? And you think God gives him an answer? Nope. Look at verse 9. Daniel's told, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up 
and sealed until the time of the end. But, but, but Pastor Dan, I have more questions and answers now. Welcome to the club. Daniel doesn't get it, and that's okay. God doesn't answer his question. All he says was what? Go your way. That's a polite southern way to say, bless your heart. <laughs> and what does God say? Daniel, Daniel, the words are sealed. Shut them up. What's God saying? Don't worry about it. How about Lord? I want to know when it's coming. Can you tell me again how it ends? Daniel, we've shut it up already. Go, go your way. Go live your life. Don't worry about it. And then he says this. Many shall purify themselves. Verse 9. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. What's God telling him? This is what, all I'm going to tell you, Daniel, is this. I'm going to give you the PDV version just to give it quick and short. Dan, Daniel, go your way. Don't worry about it. This is what I will tell you. The righteous people, those who believe in God, will get more righteous. And the wicked people will get more wicked. Go your way. Wait, 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 I have so many... Daniel, just know the people of God will act a certain way and the people who don't know God will act a certain way. Go your way. Don't worry. Many people will become believers, made holy, live righteously. The wicked will act wickedly. That's who they are. God is working. People will believe. They have their lives changed. One day, the wise, the righteous will understand what this all means. One day, Daniel, I promise you'll have your answer. Right? If you don't know right now, can I tell you something? One day you will. All you've got to know is this. Trust God. Trust God. How does this, how does this start? Oh, Daniel, time trouble is coming, but your people will be delivered. Those who sleep in the dust of the earth and those who are alive, they will be rescued. And all this will end. Your suffering will end. Until then, wicked people will get more wicked. It reminds me a lot of what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will, become, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Does that sound like 2023 or what? I mean, it's scary. How close that resembles our current age. 
Look at verse 13 and then we're done. But go your way till the end. Go your way till the end. Here he, he, again, he's in Daniel, be on your way. Until when? The end. Now, wait a minute. The end? Again, we ask the end of what? See, the end is used several times in different ways in this chapter. Daniel's not going to live until the end. He didn't even live until Antiochus. That happened three, four hundred years after Daniel lived. Until the end of his life. Daniel, go your way till the end. Live your life. Serve me. Be faithful. Just expect wicked people to be wicked. Righteous people will be righteous. You stay faithful. Don't worry about having all the answers. Just serve me. Be faithful. Love me. You won't understand it now, but you will later. When? After you die. Look at the end of that verse. And not only after he dies, but at the end end. Look at this. And you shall rest. That means dead. And shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Daniel, even though you die, you will be raised from the dust of the earth. You're going to be one of those people who have died before this end happens. And you will be raised to stand where? In your allotted place. Daniel, mark yourself as one of those people of God who win. So now, go your way. Go your way. Daniel, I will work it all out. Daniel, trust me. Trust me. It's almost like Daniel is hearing from God. Daniel, I will hold you fast. I got it. I'm not sugarcoating it here. Bad times are coming. That's what he's telling them. But go your way. Go your way. In order to be one of these people who stand with God at the end, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know the gospel that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And everybody in this world is a sinner. Everybody, me included. We all deserve God's judgment and wrath. And if we repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus, we will be forgiven and will be counted as those who have a resurrection unto life. And we stand with God, wise, having it all figured out, living in righteous by God's grace and mercy. But if you die in your sins, I'm telling you now, friends, that you die on the losing side. The world looks like it's winning now. The world looks like it's trampling on the people of God and the law of God. But I'm telling you, they lose. But go your way. Don't fret what the rest of 2023 is going to happen or 2024 or 2020. What? Go your way. When that day comes, you will stand in your allotted place at the end of days with the king of kings. He will hold you fast, friends. I know you're feeling like Daniel. How long? How long? It's coming. Let's pray.
Oh God, thank you so much for this glorious book of Daniel. Thank you so much for the truths contained therein, the challenges. It's challenging, God. These prophecies. But in the end, the whole point of Daniel is this. There's only one kingdom that lasts forever, and that is the kingdom of our God. And our king is sitting on his throne, ruling and reigning now with all power and authority being given to him as the gospel reaches the ends of the world to save all of God's elect today. Oh God, help us to live with this truth in mind. Not to be so caught up in all of these details and wasting our lives away trying to figure out all these prophetic things out. We don't know everything. We just know what you have told us and we know that we win and you win and God that there is hope there is rescue there is deliverance from this wicked body from this wicked world from the wicked beasts that rule around us you're making a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells and Lord we long for that day we long to hear that trumpet blow we long to see you destroy the beast by the breath of your mouth Oh God, keep us faithful until then, knowing that we only make it because you hold us fast. You will not let our faith be lost. You keep us, you preserve us, you save us, you encourage us to the end. Help us, God, today. Help those who don't know you to repent of their sins and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. In your name we pray. Amen. And that is a wrap on the book of Daniel. So, <clears throat> praise God for his word, and we will continue next week with 1 Corinthians. But now, let's stand and sing that beautiful hymn as a reminder to go your way. Bless your heart. Don't worry about it. He will hold you fast. Let's sing.